Peace is simple, folks. Don't take people's stuff and don't hurt them. Welcome to Psychotropical Thunder, Episode 5. Coming at you from the PNW in the Evergreen State, FEMA Region 10 in Gitmo Nation. Now broadcasting from a gravitational wave on rent from LIGO. This is your host, 33, or a trusted influencer. Here's this next episode. Episode 5. Porn Pill. Yeah, it's going to be a little creepy. Folks, hope you are into uh, hearing some some random crazy shit that's of my past. This is of the porn addiction stuff. And I think a lot of men deal with it. And a few that are willing to open up and admit it, uh, I, I... you know, there's a few of us. <laughs> and I don't even feel like I'm really opening up about it, but I'm willing to do a show on it. So, oh, by the way, uh, I'm going to get. Yeah. Well, here we go, folks. Three, two, What the hell am 
If you can't afford porn, just turn on women's tennis and close your eyes. Welcome back, my friends. Thank you. I appreciate you listening to this next episode here, episode five, Porn Pill. Starting off the show, right? Uh, christening of the old shot glass. A little shot here of vodka. Start it off right. And then we'll start discussing pornography. Here we go, folks. Shoot him if you got him. Gore. Yum. So porn is an issue in lots of people's lives, or it's a non-issue in lots of people's lives. Either it's involved in some way, secretly or not, or that's not your your problem. For a lot of people out there, it seems it is. Or there's a lot of people who just lie about it. They don't want they don't want people knowing. It is kind of embarrassing. It seems like it is a bit of an embarrassing topic to admit that you you know. I don't know if it's like so much admitting that you watch it, but how much you watch it, or how much you have to have it in your life be able to give you some type of peace and happiness. it's not like something where oh yeah i i have a uh, a nice knitting do or i love to go roll a couple games down at the alley and those used to exist remember bowling alleys it, it, it's not like something that you can just tell people that brings kind of happiness it's like be really really fucking awkward if you said yeah well sometimes i i, I just like to put on some some uh um, atm two women one man work it out put a little lotion just work it out that's what brings you know you know you can't say anything like that it's one weird and creepy you just have to know your audience i guess there are people who talk that candidly about it and it's probably gotten more acceptable nowadays than anything i'm not here to brag on appreciation the art styles of pornography let me get this right out there you do you and whatever that does, power to you. As long as you don't hurt people in the process, don't steal from them, and that's pretty much peace. Really, pretty simple stuff. A lot of issues in porn that drive from the notion of freedom. And where where does that line start becoming? And it's all about consent, pretty much. Really, in, in that area, it shouldn't be difficult, but lots of people tend to make it that way. Porn of one topic is one of those difficult areas of where where does consent lie. And there's been quite a few uh, voices out there who have uh, made their claim, said one way or another how they, they believe it should be. Here's a little something on bait not too long ago, more uh, modern times today, of uh, how people think of porn as being not really the best. This is from the Larry Wilmore Show. who go to Miami to to try amateur porn to be porn stars. Mm-hmm. Wait, porn stars or well, amateur porn? Por- am- I forgot to mention she's talking about some documentary that she has put together and then she's going on to talk about the issues with pornography and how, how it's being used. Amateur porn is kind of where it's going at. Amateur porn is a is a form of porn. I mean, it sounds like it's just. What is this porn thing you're speaking of? We'll, we'll get it. Let's do that after the show. Um, I will show you all sorts of amateur porn. Hey yeah. now, hey Not now. Not that I'm in. Hey, I just, I, find it. 
I know how to find it. You gonna pull out your phone? <laughs> Let me show you what it is, Larry. <laughs> so easy that that kind of demeanor that we have with with porn. I mean, I know they're comedians and everything, but. <laughs> The, whole, the whole culture's kind of been pornified, if that's a word. Yeah. I mean, porn seems like no big deal anymore, right? Sex is no big deal anymore. I mean, you know, you got What do you mean sex is no sex big deal? Sex is no big got, deal. Because there was Are you in the same club fighting when you're... <laughs> <laughs> nah, not with that. Unless she's into that. But anyway, um... <laughs> I mean, really, this society is the sex is not like it used to be. It used to be taboo. Like, nobody yeah. talked about sex. And now my son went on my computer. I saw 18 porn sites on my computer when he left. That weren't there before? That weren't there before, yeah. <laughs> and, so, I, and I appreciate his taste. So... So now there were like, uh, so now there were like 66 porn sites. 66, folks. Oh, my. Yeah, they were different and new. They're free. It, is this a, a net good or a net bad for society? Does porn, do you think it hurts our relationships, all this porn? Or do you think ultimately it helps? I wouldn't even Wait. think, I, I, don't, I wouldn't even say good or bad. I mean, it's inevitable, right? We've been leading to this direction for a long time. That's what you the know? world has been going. No, it has. Uh, think about it. Like sexual liberation. I mean, we've, we've been coming to this. Oh, I can't say that. We've been. No. <laughs> Heading to that point for a long time, I think really the question is, you know, how can we protect ourselves from it affecting our relationships? Because I have heard from people that it affects like personal, intimate relationships. Mm -hmm. They don't want their kids watching it because they sort of treat it as education when it's not uh. it's supposed to be entertainment. You shouldn't learn from sex about sex from porn. I but, think that's ooh la la. You do? Okay. <laughs> yes. Mike says you should. I believe going is the net good. You know how many things I've tried that I would not have tried if I didn't. Boom. So, folks, this is kind of a salacious topic. So, obviously, some people feel a little bit more comfortable discussing it. But I feel like they, they kind of avoid the real meat in the bones topic just because it's trying to be safer, television safe, but whatever. I believe that the real situation there is what. Uh, Miss Jones was talking about how you shouldn't use porn as mean educating yourself on how how sex is essentially performed, and for a lot of people, that's kind of how it is. I, for one, am one. I I really didn't have too much of a, a real greater understanding besides you know really late in life the stupid public education explanation of it and it was way late after i like yeah i already know about this kind of stuff and that was like probably when i was in third or fourth grade i'd already seen like understood like certain aspects of sex to a certain extent i guess and it's it's a genuine business it's been badly like a lot of businesses out there but industries completely subverted and destroyed with real disgusting work it's completely pulverized, plowed, taken to in existence out there. Here's another uh, random interview that I have a little bit later, earlier, I guess, from uh, the last one. But here's a, a little bit on the uh, life of uh, Bob Guccione, a little bit on his uh, who he was and where where pornography kind of came from in certain ways, in the, the certain way of how, how big it became in the modern aspect. I mean, pornography has probably existed way, way longer than and it has for, for several, several decades. Uh, I didn't get quite the notes on the history of that. But anyway, I digress. Here's this interview. This is uh, from 14Q. 
with Gian Gameshi. With Bob to make Penthouse better than Playboy. If you even look at the two titles, Playboy was about being out there on at night. Playboy, Penthouse was a higher state of mind and living. He became obsessive about better writers, uh, better pictures, just a better magazine. I look at a thousand issues of Penthouse, which is, I've got to tell you, tough work. Uh, <laughs> and it, it, but it, the, the, it was a better magazine, there's no question. Well, it was holistic. Uh, Jean, I want to just say that it was holistic, it was sexy, and it was pictorially sexy. Originally, was, we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, originally. Yeah. The First. People will have images of the latter day. Oh, and that's a shame. You know, it's a real shame because that was a, a bad time for it aesthetically, but originally it was um, visually sexy, it was intellectually sexy, it was humor, humor was sexy, there was great investigative journalism, it was a holistic package. Barry, you also said it was about taking on the establishment uh, uh, in, in, in editorial ways, can you speak to that? Well, I mean, it was amazing, I mean, Bob's view was that, again, that men wanted to read as well, I didn't look at the pictures, he knew, he was, he was the only way he was going to distinguish himself uh, against the other magazines was having great writing, so I mean, to have Pentos filled with gorgeous women and have Aldous Huxley and Gore Vidal uh, and Alan Dershowitz writing was going to be different. But if you look at the magazines and look at the issues that we looked at, he didn't give a damn. He went after the mafia. He went after Watergate. He went after uh, anti-cancer Nixon. Nixon. I mean, every Reagan. issue had five articles, uh, balls against the wall and taking on people. And that if you were, you know, if you were Guccione, you got to be worried for your life. There's one scene in the film where somebody talks about shooting him and a bullet coming through the the house. I mean, he, he didn't care, but he took on everybody. But it wasn't it wasn't uh, uh, for the point of, of scandal or, or, or being salacious. He wanted to really be different. And Brandeis gave him publisher of the year. And in contradiction to Playboy again as well, uh, and not to necessarily play the card too heavily that he was some progressive saint, but Penthouse was staffed almost entirely by women. Amazing. It's amazing. I mean, in those years, the only two places you can go and get a job if you were a woman was Ms. Magazine or Penthouse. Uh, the, the management were women. Anna Wintour got her start there. Uh, and he was clever enough that in advertising sales, were, which were mostly men at that point, so if you were in the business and you got a knock from a media rep trying to sell you ads and it's a gorgeous woman, not all the bobs, not all of them were beautiful, a lot of them were, but that was the place to begin your career. And they loved Bob. They weren't going in there worrying that they were going to get chased around the table on some uh, horrendous uh, grotto. This this was. I mean, they loved him and worked so hard for him. Every every woman rose to senior, well paid positions in that company. As you heard there, that was uh, Barry Arvich and, uh, and Bob's son, Bob Guccione's son, and going on and talking about a little bit about. Uh, it's very telling. I know this is kind of diverting from essentially the main topic of porn, but. The, these influencers, these these influencers were extremely powerful to my my childhood. At least the the one that wrapped around my father, who went on to kind of wrap it around me. Not intentionally. It was kind of look what looks look what happened by act. Those those two men, Playboy and Penthouse, were the two that I I, I knew the best mainly from his library of stuff. And, I, and a lot of people they have a lot of boys essentially find their ways around these things at one point it's usually an older sibling or it just happens to be their their father 
to most cases, but I think it was very something else telling. I, I was too young to really understand the whole articles and stuff when I was first discovering it. All to me, it just was exotic and extremely uh, provocative just to go after looking at, you know, nude photos of women. That's all that mattered to a little boy brain. <laughs> it's like, wow, what is all this? Though, uh, knowing about the, the, the tale of the, the two types, it, it, it's very fascinating that later on, it seemed like everyone started going after Guccione as uh, as the bad guy. Not as many people were going after uh, Hefner or Flint, allegedly, all these these people. Uh, I mean, they went after Flint, I guess. Flint had a, had a, quite a bit of a ordeal, but I think they went after more after uh, Bob Guccione just because of the, the type of stuff that he would write. He wrote some really great, great stuff. <laughs> the others were, were about something else. Uh, you know, Flint was just about his smut, and then Hugh Hefner seemed to be more about this other kind of way of thinking about how men look out at life. I think I think Guccione had a had a real kind of understanding of what a different type of man was, and, and I know this is really highly overly misogynistic of just this is. Uh, but it, it's still, like, I don't think there's going to be ever these type of, like, these publishers in the way they existed the same way they are, exist today. There might be in some ways uh, fairly alternative or underground if it is. And it's not It's not going to be in a magazine like Penthouse probably anymore. It's going to be all something online that you, you found, like a lot of these interviews I'm now finding. I'm making a show out of talk to you about pornography. Here's a little bit more about Bob Guccione and uh, where uh, I came from and kind of uh, uh, get a thinking of how he how he looked at stuff. He, he was a very classy guy and a different kind of classy guy. You hear it there from Barry. And porn, porn is that kind of like classy delicateness, yet there's still kind of a, a dirty, just a very uncomfortableness about it. Here's a interview from Films Critics. Erased, as it were, airbrushed. Uh, that to me is both unnatural and indecent. <laughs> I think that uh, if you are looking at a woman's anatomy, it must be beautiful in all of its parts. Uh, we, we cannot take one part of the anatomy and say that this is vulgar or obscene, and that the rest of it is okay, the rest of it is decent. That just simply doesn't work. Since you um, um, started uh, working in the area of, quote, men's magazines, unquote, uh, ha has your personal attitude about women changed at all? A lot of people say you're just an exploiter of women. Well, you know, they can say what they like. My attitude toward women, uh, if anything, has grown more respectful over the years. In what ways? Well, I've come to understand them a lot better. When I, I produced a woman's magazine some years ago called Viva, which was very successful with the readership, not terribly successful with the newsstands. We couldn't get it properly displayed, and we had to close it eventually. But when I started Viva, I thought I knew everything there was to know about women. I thought I was the smartest guy in the world as far as women were concerned. I learned as a result of that experience, as a result of working deeply with women, that I didn't begin to know them, nor does any other man I know. So there was a long, slow, but very... Uh, important process of education that took place. I think today that I've learned a great deal and, and I've learned to respect women more and more. I was brought up to respect women. I was brought up in, a, in an Italian family, a uh, very warm, large family, where one, which is very matriarchal, the Italian uh, mm -hmm. style family. And uh, <clears throat> 
I've never lost that respect. I've added to it. I've contributed to it as a result of what I've learned about women. You have um, some rather high-ranking officers of your uh, your organization are, are women, are they not? Yes. In fact, the three highest-paid women in our organization, I mean, the three highest-paid individuals are women. And we have many more women executives than we have men. And this is done simply because I think they do a better job. Mm -hmm. um, does that uh, feeling that you have that women should have uh, equality and so far as equal pay for equal work? No, I don't believe in that at all. That's, yeah. not, that's a lot of nonsense. Oh, okay. that, now, that is a sexist precept, you see, because mm. equal pay for equal money does not allow for merit. I think you pay according to merit, certainly never according to sex. If a woman does a better job than a man, and a man doing the same kind of job, you pay the woman more. If a man does a better job, you pay the man more. Any other interpretation would be, in my opinion, a sexist interpretation. Interesting, folks. He was a different way of thinking of... Uh, and I actually... That's, that's really what things should be like. We, we put too much value into who is the potential victim and think that we have to put them on a, a major pedestal get them to be people to acknowledge no no we, we we don't naturally just go with who is the better one of all better better standards their merit in most cases it is that way and it should be that way it's it's we're in a time where a lot of that is really starting to change it's almost getting difficult to even talk about it in some way here's another uh kind of tidbit about someone in the past connected to all the history of uh, modern American pornography. Uh, here's a uh, famous voice on what I believe uh, is going to happen with uh, the, the world of porn. But Larry, what's the sales pitch? If you do IPO, you're more than a magazine, you are a TV network, but you're an internet channel, and there's so much free pornography on the internet, what are people going to buy into if you do go public? Yeah, but these people that are putting all this free uh, pornography on the internet, they're just desperate, you know, they're, they're trying to squeeze a profit out. This is going to, this is going to disappear. Uh, uh, when we see it, how we've seen it happening, and uh, I'm sorry, recently, Larry, the, the pornography that's free online is going to disappear. Yeah, it will. It will disappear because the consumers are people that enjoy pornography. You know, there's a lot of people who enjoy free porn. A, well, but the thing about it is, people like quality. And now, see, it used to be pornography was something that men watched alone. Now couples are watching it together. I mean. The country needs to wake up and realize that. Let me ask you about Playboy. Uh, in your view, what did Playboy do wrong, and how do you make sure that you don't make similar mistakes? Well, well I, I know him, and I think I know what motivates him. I, I think he, he always wrapped his pornography and social redeeming articles, you know, to, on that quest for respectability, but still yet he was always in the pornography business and I think he was very much embarrassed by that and he would have preferred to have been a publisher of Time Magazine rather than a publisher of Playboy. Me, I don't have any pretensions. I know what I do. It's Larry Flint there giving it, telling it like it is, what kind of business he was, he knew he was part of. A little interesting of, uh, you know, the background of all, all three of them. They were just very different 
people. And now, now we're moving ahead into modern times where they, they, they can't be really, uh, not to say anything, you know, sexist or racist, but, but a lot of these companies can't be essentially headed by a white male. Not that there is anything, you know, one way good or bad with that. Just who, you know, developed and created it and kept it going. I'm not saying that anybody else can't do that. Power to you if you want to do it. Totally to you. I've kind of moved away from the real issue of how, how possibly that this stuff is still not really as great for, for people. And it's, it's each to their own. They say, don't burn bridges you may have to cross later. I say, I don't mind swimming if the bridge was fucked up to begin with. Continuing on on our adventures through the depths of the Porn Pill episode. Psychotropical Thunder. Yes, going on, going on about the influencers who, who said their, their stuff about pornography. I'm gonna dabble down another kind of random ra rabbit hole with all this stuff and venture out to another very credited individual who said some very controversial things in the time a few years back. Here's uh, the words of now know as the person that was wanting to teach us, teach our children how to masturbate. Yes, the one and only M. Joycelyn Elders. It, it made no sense, but issues related to comprehensive health education, including sex education in schools. I thought everybody would agree with that. I can imagine people not agreeing with that. But that was a really very big issue. The issue of teaching young people about the importance of, you know, if they choose to be sexually active, to make sure they used a condom. You know, to me, that made good sense in the age of, era of AIDS. And well, they thought, well, that's giving them permission to go have sex. Well, as far as I'm concerned, when you've got the highest teenage pregnancy rate in the industrialized world, nobody needs to give them a permission. They're already doing it. That's right. And so, I, I, but that, those two issues seem to be the thing that really upset them absolutely the most. And what about your position on masturbation? Well, that, yeah, oh, that oh, the that, fire? oh, that just really fed the fire. And, and I guess maybe that was the church, you know, or the, the sin, you know, there's all this great sin. Well, people, you know, it had been shown that, you know, the, you know, first of all, there's no place in the Bible that mentions masturbation number one and i always tell people again you know, and i was asked a question about it in regard to aids uh 
and how it would if it would reduce the transmission of AIDS and primarily, you know, in Africa and some other countries. And I, you know, reminded them, you know, that first of all, masturbation never made anybody go crazy. It made them hair won't grow on your hands. It's never given anybody a disease. Never gotten anybody pregnant. And you know you're having sex with somebody you love. So, but, you know, but they just felt, well, I was wanting to teach children Yeah. I think there's some controversy a lot with what she was suggesting. And there's a lot of history going back to the, uh, the roots of, yes, the very controversial eugenics. And it kind of is feeding into that whole notion. They try to cloud it with what the, you know, say in the church and all the sin. Porn and masturbation is all sin and dirty. And you are heathen. There's so much more to this that's, that's going on that they, they, they use one thing to cover it up and talk about the other problem that is not being addressed but doesn't need it. Here's a... A little bit later in life, same famous lady, Miss M. Joyce Lean Elders, now talking about health equity. Means to me, it means that first of all, I feel that every individual should have a right to health care. That health care should be available, accessible. It should be equal. And when we think of equal and talk about equal, that doesn't mean what what's equal for you may not be equal for me. And I think we make sure that every patient has what they need and it should be well delivered and well served. It should be cost effective and it should be acceptable. And patients should be involved in making the right decisions about their health. And to me, that's equity. It's kind of a big uh, change up from what she was saying about 20 some years earlier, a little bit, and I believe that's kind of the sign of the times, the change up of what is uh, getting to, There's, you know, science has changed, trust the science now, can't talk about that, but it's getting at health equity and that biology is racist and sexist, where it mattered before about everybody getting a what they thought was fair and equal, which really wasn't. It was, it just, it just wasn't. Let's <laughs> say that. Don't need to go down further that. It, it's never been really a, a thing of equality. It's, that's been their slogan to try to get whatever other BS they want to push in along the way. Uh, and it's usually the more, more spending, tax taking more regulation anyway that's a that's another topic more influencers that were miss elders was speaking of i'm gonna go a little bit further down this uh, uncomfortable rabbit hole of eugenics yes it's very 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 too destructive but it starts with a uh, certain individual uh, known as galton francis galton who was the godfather grandfather, porn father, the uh, one who was doing his uh, god-grandfather best in telling people how to change their whole life and how to guide it. There's some influencers that were very 
doing their magic in these times. Uh, here's a, a little bit of uh, what uh, Galton considered to uh, do with the, uh, the masses and how to separate them. There are many grades of expected unfitness, ranging from that of the offspring of the idiots, the insane, and the feeble-minded, at the lower end of the scale of civic work, to whom the propagation of offspring is forbidden, whether it be by forcible segregation or other strong measures, up to the moderate unfitness expected in the offspring of parents who rank only a little below the average in eugenic worth. The method of penalizing taken in order of their severity are social rejection, excommunication, deportation, and lifelong segregation. So not only are there grades of fit people, but there are also grades of unfit people. Now, what do they do with the really unfit people? Well, I'm going to read you this. Labor colonies are established where the very inferior are segregated under conditions that are not onerous, except that they must work hard and live in celibacy. It is difficult to describe the indignation and even horror felt in can't say where at acts that may spoil the goodness of their stock. If you're unfit, you're put into a work camp. Now, in history, these work camps have been called other things like gulags and concentration camps. So, yes, there was a push, and it seems kind of subtle nowadays. It still feels like there is this kind of push to to classify a caste system of people. And, and we kind of have it in some ways. I mean, we have the, the poor class, middle and rich, the elites. And they want to get it to a point where it's just pretty much the elites, the rich, and the poor. There really is no middle class. But in between there, there's a, a, a various levels of gray that are not even about socioeconomic, but almost about physical health and mental well-being that, uh, that doesn't really... And, and that pretty much, you know, contributes to how well you do in life. Honestly, tell that if you're you're if you're way rich, you're obviously pretty well physically and mentally fit. That you should be doing fine, but that's not always always the case. There's a lot of crazy fucks that are rich that seem to be well insulated. There's a lot of rich, powerful, just powerful people that are insulated by keeping their power. So a lot of this is mainly from the influence of stupid fucking government. Shit. Moving along. So porn is pretty, uh, pretty uh, powerful, folks, and how it's being used as a tool to keep us controlled in different ways, either thinking that it's, it's a, a means to work, and I'm not saying anything bad, you can make a good career probably out of it, but there's a lot of it that's already, it's surrounded by lots of, like, oh, terrible, terrible thoughts and notions. This is a lot of sex trafficking, uh, a lot of problems in the house, and not, and, you know, these are all people's choices and risks. 
and they they take on these things. That's all the risks that you take on. Are we are we incentivizing it a little bit more with uh, what's out there in the culture? Yeah, probably. But you have just as much to avoid that 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 seeing these levels of incentivization. Though there is a certain point where you kind of cross it when you start introducing it to people at a here's a unethical age another perspective here that i should get out to but uh not so much uh going past the eugenics part but uh yeah here's ben shapiro talking about his stuff as a deep religious believer uh i was i was upset with the the kind of culture that's been awash in uh not only you know basic immorality but but an imagery that I felt was damaging to teenagers, uh, imagery that I felt was damaging to young adults, and uh, and a, a culture that tries to inculcate perennial adolescence in the in, in the American population uh, that makes you feel that that avoiding responsibility is almost a sort of responsibility. You have a moral superiority uh, if you are if you are promiscuous as opposed to if you are a virgin. There's a lot of pressure to uh, to you know participate in culturally approved of activities, which generally involve exploring yourself and exploring yourself invariably ends up being something that your parents would not want you to do and generally it involves withdrawing money from your parents ATM account in order for you to do something that your parents would not want you to do so that was what I objected to and that's what I wrote about in porn generation which which revolves around the uh, the sexual um, the, the, the the sexual liberation of, uh, of the American population ranging from you know pop music to movies to uh, to magazines to uh, what happens on campus. Portrayal of sexual activity on screen is not simply about telling a story or enlightening viewers. It's about legitimizing the behavior. When increasingly younger teens are exposed to soft porn, pornography on the big screen, there is a cultural result. And you have to give permission to, to teenagers to, to do something. I mean, how, how is it that, that teenagers decide suddenly that, that it's okay to participate in certain activities when it wasn't okay before? When you subsidize an activity, you get more of it. Maybe we've decided as a society that it's okay to subsidize some of these activities, but there is a, a tremendous impact in, in terms of that. I mean, the most obvious example you can use for something mm -hmm. like this is the impact of, uh, the, of the culture's acceptance of, for example, single motherhood, the, the culture's ex the unwed motherhood. The, the culture has largely accepted unwed motherhood. You may think that's a good thing. You may think that's a bad thing. It's certainly become a more common thing. Uh, in the black community, when, when the Civil Rights Act was passed, the, the unwed motherhood rate was somewhere near 30%, now it's 72%. In the white community, it was in low single digits, now it's up to 40%. That's a tremendous increase in a pretty short period of time, and that's largely due to a culture that has decided that it is no longer important to regulate your sexual urges. In fact, you're, you're almost glorified if you participate in, in the animal as opposed to containing it. The religious viewpoint was always, at least in Judaism, was always that sexual activity is a wonderful thing, provided that it's within certain boundaries, namely the boundaries of marriage. Uh. So he has some interesting points, but and, and they, they, they don't get addressed enough without being called quickly a prude, I would say. And it, it's, I don't think it's one way. I think that there is a certain nature that this stuff is going to happen and you can't, you can't control it. There's also a certain level of how they learn about it and how they go about it can make 
biggest difference of what kind of individual they may be further on in life. The, the mind is such a fascinating tool that we are very, very unfamiliar with still. We, we believe we understand certain parts and how it works, how it ticks and everything, but we're still developing like what, what really causes these things. And, and we're, we're really bothering it, clouding it with all the this, this going out and really far areas of stuff that I, I don't believe as important as much as just teaching about the being the individual how much stuff is getting uh like you heard about health equity matters i believe what what the zellers is, is is trying to get you know specifically directed towards is the whole uh, movement towards looking at it, the 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 different collective sections of of sexual and health uh, matters that we, we now need to address. And it never was really a big deal until pretty much in the last five years, pretty much almost, that the whole whole notion of, and I'm not saying anything negative about them, but what you say about the, the, the transgender movement is what you say. It's, I'm, I'm here to respect people in their own individual rights and what they do. Where it draws the line is when they start pushing this stuff onto youth at an inappropriate age, then I believe that that's, that's, that's troubling. And when they're starting to push children to undergo therapy that is extremely controversial and is damaging their bodies, you know, and this is like what the equivalent of it was when I was growing up was seeing porn at such a young age. It's like pretty much like putting your tongue on a nine volt battery. What they're doing today is someone greasing themselves up in lime juice and oil and then putting themselves on a open spark or something. It's like, you know, the difference between the door slightly creaking open and just ripping it off the hinge really is ways of what their body means. And, and, and I, I mean, to a certain extent, I, I feel like it, it happened to me. So much propaganda of it to believe that the, this way to be with your, your yourself, identify as this, this is what matters. There's so much of this push. And when you don't have really as great of guidelines in certain areas or certain pushes, your mind gets clouded with all the, the prospects of not really handling real, real, real life. Here's another uh, viewpoint on uh, on life and growing up with, you know, learning what, what it means. He's a somewhat famous voice. I might know him as the, uh, the father of gonzo porn, John Stangliano. So how, I mean, were you, were you ever, did you ever have dreams of getting in the adult industry or was you just kind of accidentally fell into it? I was sneaking porn books from my father's. Uh, books? What are books? I don't know. We're talking the 60s <laughs> it's, here. It's the was, magazine. I realized it's the internet he on, made out of hidden, trees. <laughs> he had something hidden under the seat of his car. We're uh, talking the mid-60s here. So when you say and, books, though, you don't mean magazines? Like, there was a fiction story with a cool cover. There was a newspaper type thing uh -huh. with a couple of pictures in it. Uh -huh. I can distinctly remember to this day. Yeah. And uh, I think my father realized what I was doing, and anyway, that got shut down. Yeah. So uh, anyway, but I and then you know I've always been 
interested in porn, right. more interested than possibly was normal, although I've heard that other people are the same. Yeah. So, uh, you know, kids jerk off when they're in, they reach puberty. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, uh, normal part of adolescence. Yeah. Yeah. Some people maybe do it to excess, perhaps. Maybe it gets in the way of their life. Maybe it, I don't know. I did want to be a baseball player, however, I wasn't... Uh, I, I let my addiction, my addiction to porn. Let's see, do I have an addiction to porn? <laughs> I don't know. I certainly enjoy looking at it. Well, I mean, day. you've made a career out of it. So, yeah, the whole question of is there is porn an addiction issue is something that's certainly been controversial over the years. I had Dr. David Lay on um, a while ago, and he says that it's not a, it is not a real addiction. Um, I have experience with addiction. I've never had experience with porn addiction. Um, I think anything that releases dopamine and makes you feel good and makes you experience pleasure can be something that can at least be habit forming in a negative way because, you know, as human beings, we're pleasure seekers. Yes. I mean, anything. Yes. It can be anything. It can be food, exercise. I, I tend to watch too much baseball. There you so, go. You have addiction to baseball. My son would say I'm addicted to it because he <laughs> wants me to play video games, which he arguably is addicted to. So. Right. <laughs> so a little fascinating uh, insight into one of the uh, big names out there. That, uh, that was from the uh, Holly Randall Unfiltered. So there's a lot of similarities in those things and how almost they talked about like addiction is very, very similar. I believe a lot of addiction is largely honestly subjective as a lot of things are but really that we have this this whole manual the, the, the bloody dsm 5 6 whatever we're up to 33 that uh there's there's too much of this wanna circle the group with the correct problems and they're discovering all sorts of new different types of uh, dysfunctions dysphorias illnesses all with the all with the mind and I, I believe a lot of it is you know it's constantly which one is it chicken eggs scenario there uh, like are we are we creating these or are these really naturally happening because we're we're creating such this new innovation to the world ahead of us we i mean we they, they now have listed in what is it as video games addiction as they were talking there in the interview that uh that this was i mean we have that as an actual listing in uh, in a category of uh mental diagnoses that video game playing video games is now addiction which i could totally understand i i, I at a young age really loved them too they are fairly addicted and that whole thing is just like then there's going to be this whole category of people only addicted to this one kind of video game or they only play uh, uh, this one type of character in the video game, or they only name them this kind. They all they, like you can just go. Yeah, it's so somewhat ridiculous. We all have reasons why what makes us tick, and a lot of a lot of the issues with porn, even though of how like damaging it can be, it's just it's really about where where we where we take it to. Does it does it does it really finalizely end us like any addiction? Sometimes we just, we burn so bright it goes out. Sometimes we allow all the other addictions to burn too bright and then it takes us out. I believe that's a combination of what ends us all, folks. We, 
we end ourselves on whatever was pleasing us to take us down. Pretty dark. Anyway, I'm gonna take another break here, folks. We'll be right back with you in three, two, one. Having sex is like playing bridge. If you don't have a good partner, you better have a good hand. Howdy, howdy, folks. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Porn Pill episode, Psychotropical Thunder. Carrying along where we last left off. Let's, uh, take a little side break and wet the old whistle and a shot some vodka folks hope your night or day is going on here's to y'all folks cheers school Moving along where we were kind of running around talking about this, talking about that, about porn, it being good, it being bad, it being used for this, used for that. There's uh, another little bit of a side that uh, kind of never gets enough uh, coverage, but is porn ever ethical? What we see in pornography is so much about men controlling and dominating and hurting women. Men are consuming huge quantities of pornography. They have no idea where it comes from at all. They have no interest or concern about Just a little side, these are two female individuals that are journalists. One is more feminist than the other. They have their own takes on uh, kind of one pro-con. The performers. Well, I think people that watch it presume that it's acting. They presume that people are performing something to a script, something that's been choreographed, and that if they can go to the cinema and watch a violent movie where people are being paid to act, then it isn't any different in pornography. I think it's just a get-out clause that people give to themselves because they want to see pretty vicious things being done to women. I think something that's really difficult for us to get our heads around as ethical people, if we call ourselves that, is that desire is amoral. Now, it's not immoral, but we might fantasize about things that we'd never have, we never dream of doing in real life. And so pornography tends to fill that void. And if you could guarantee that that person wasn't harmed in the process, then is it wrong to want to watch that? I think desire has to be moral, right? If we're not putting our desires to the test of our morals, then what is even the point of having morals, right? How can performers be protected? I do firmly believe that there are ways of protecting all performers involved in the porn industry. 
And I think it's really important to say that men can also be vulnerable to exploitation as well as women. Even if we see men performing dominant acts and um, always been on top, so to speak, in the industry, we know that sometimes they're forced or encouraged to take Viagra way past the point of comfort. The nature of sexism is that it does come down harder on women. A woman's career is shorter. The kind of act that a woman has to do in pornography to collect the big bucks. Like you are going to age out of pornography at a very young age. And for women, that means doing stuff that is tougher and tougher on your body. From the perspective of someone that's been a sex worker and done sex, sexual things with people that I didn't know, didn't necessarily like or find attractive, but that they were paying me to do those things with them. Um, I would say that in those situations, I was happy to take the money because it was preferable to lots of other kinds of work. And I was often, you know, <coughs> I was treated really well by and large. I, everything we did was consensual. I set the terms of it. So I don't think sex is the same for everyone. The levels of trauma among women who sold sex are really, really high. The level of exposure to other kinds of violence are really, really high. So, a little different perspective. I honestly agree with kind of both their, their, their viewpoints on this in ways and difference that, I mean, the one lady that seemed to be more advocating for it, she, I believe that there is a, a very entrepreneurial level of the whole and then the aspect of it, sex work and all that. I totally support all of that done as, as complete, completely humanely as possible. I don't really agree with the notion of the, the pimp or the owner of, uh, you know, over all the, the women in a way that that kind of whole notion i believe that you are your own boss in these these situations all of that you might work with a team from here to there but you can call whatever it is but just the whole notion of pimp or a uh, the head of the, the the porn video company that you're working for and how they operate i mean as long as they're doing it all with the notion of not hurting and not stealing any of what you do and take part of portion that's not really seen as much as it is it is very hard on some women who do fall into the the dangerous portions of it and are not necessarily and the men too all of them do it that essentially making the, the the wrong choice in their in their work of what they go into not following for all of the signs of what they're getting into and there is a lot of dangerous things with it there's a lot of rape gangs that get involved with this type of stuff organize people that take people and turn them into sex slaves or sell, sell them into a trade of that's something that needs to be addressed more the other form of that sex slavery is the notion of how many men out there are selling their bodies in the form of pleasure and killing off what they do instead of actually finding meaningful relationships. And I say this more about men because I think it's more apparent in men and it doesn't get enough talk about. It's more giggled and talked about in a way of like, that's so stupid, these are the low. And yeah, part of it is this, is this that eugenics program that's kind of going on. If you are so low, feeble-minded that all you can do is pleasure yourself with the free internet porn every day and this is how you are quote unquote successful uh, how you do it that's that's one thing that's that's very fast it's not it's 
it's not a way to really go on to yourself and how you you go about it as long as you're not stealing other people's money and or hurting people to keep you in this place of perpetual pleasure that's that's i don't know there's 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 got to be people out there that exist like this i know of it from certain things of examples of is it in japanese culture i got the word but it's like where neat comes from but it's a person that literally has no education and no actual uh reasonable training to society so all they do is live inside a, a room and have food given to them by their caregivers parents and they really do nothing but just i i i, I i'm pretty sure they do stuff that they consider as as important to their life and work what they do but they really have no other kind of they're what we almost kind of consider uh bottom feeders and maybe maybe porn is a great way to keep these people in their place but it's also a, a terrible way to get good people to fall into really hard times and feel they're doing something if there's there's not enough positive influence out there to not fall for that that terrible vice of addiction and sometimes you have good people in your life that are telling you what to tell you and sometimes you just you do whatever feels good what satan wants you to do <laughs> and i'm not into this whole kind of religious aspect of notion of faith and this whole aspect i'm in this this notion of how to be a successful individual in this life and be bringing something in and not destroying of yourself but having others around you that are willing to be critical with with care critical with with determination to to make you a better person it doesn't necessarily have to go that way don't feel afraid that you're gonna get made fun of for the the forms of <laughs> Your, your addictions and problems that you tend to live on. And it, it just shows. People see what uh, someone that does a lot of that type of stuff ends up looking like. They just look terrible. They do not look like... They look like a, just a monster almost. Speaking of monsters, what's the deal with step porn? Here's another clip. step-parent and step-sibling porn. One would think, maybe too much? Are there really this many people excited by incest? The porn site Xhamster has over 10,000 videos with step in the title, which is over 40 times more than they had a decade ago. There's no question that there's a big trend here. As with human sexuality itself, the reason behind this trend are complex. Dr. Justin Miller, a research fellow at the Kinsey Institute, surveyed 4,175 Americans between the ages of 18 and 87, all about their sexual fantasies. One in five people reported having at least one incest fantasy, but a much smaller number, just 3%, had frequent incest fantasies. Those fantasies take on a slew of forms, from blood relatives to twins to cruel intentions-esque stepfamilies. Sensation seekers are those who need a heightened thrill in order to get aroused or orgasm, maybe especially attracted to incest porn. For many people though, it's not a specific family member that's a turn on. A big part of the appeal is that it's a major taboo. Lay Miller suspects that it may also have to do with, quote, very popular media portrayals of incest, speaking especially of HBO's Game of Thrones. 
The cultural zeitgeist is sometimes reflected in our fantasies, and subsequently in the porn we prefer. But it may not be that simple. It's possible that these super popular videos actually cater to a very narrow segment of the site's audience, who are most likely to click on ads and pay for porn. There are algorithmic and technical explanations for the influx, beyond fantasy. Porn viewers will click on a video for any number of reasons. Some have a step fantasy, yes, but others are just bored, or they just click on everything. The click signals to the site's algorithm that this is content people want to see, so the algorithm starts serving more and more similar videos, a self-perpetuating cycle. On the production side, there are practical reasons to creating step porn as opposed to other genres. Porn budgets are tighter than ever, and step porn can be shot pretty much anywhere, with any performers. The relationship established between the performers is the one thing that's effectively free. Pornographic images bypass the frontal lobe of our brain and go into a less rational part of the mind. That means even if we cognitively know that what we're watching isn't real, our less rational mind can still believe it. And that's where the excitement comes from. But like all trends, step porn probably won't be popular forever. So hey, folks, step porn, why it's so popular. Cheap, cheap to make. That's the reason why you see it. That it's easier to hide all the sex trafficking stuff that they don't want you to know about and stuff. It becomes more acceptable for all the, the other things. Not really, not against porn and I'm not for it. <laughs> I'm in that middle branch where I really don't care. You do you. But I, I do definitely know that there is this there's this definite problem with it. And how we're going about it I I don't believe is is correct. Further furthering the the degenerate behavior in this way, it's not gonna it's not really going to work out in the way that people think it will be. But I don't believe that the, the whole notion of the traditional aspect has to be the way that everybody goes. There's a very, very easy way to, not easy, but there's a very fine line of, of, of this stuff that needs to be directed. And it's just really just telling people to be their own self, being your own individual. Well, lack of a better way to transition, here's uh, Andrea Dworkin on uh, pornography abuse. Uh, I am a citizen of the United States, and in this country where I live, every year millions and millions of pictures are made of women with our legs spread, we're called beaver, we're called pussy, our genitals are tied up, they're pasted, makeup is put on them to make them pop out of a page at a male viewer. Millions and millions of pictures are made of us in postures of submission and sexual access so that our vaginas are exposed for penetration, our anuses are exposed for penetration, our throats are used as if they're genitals for penetration. Uh, in this country where I live as a citizen, real rapes are on film and are being sold on the marketplace. Um, and the major motif of pornography as a form of entertainment is that women are raped and violated and humiliated until we discover that we like it. And at that point, we ask for more. In this country where I live as a citizen, women are penetrated by animals and objects for public entertainment. Women are urinated on and defecated on. 
Women and girls are used interchangeably so that grown women are made up to look like five or six-year-old children surrounded by toys presented in mainstream pornographic publications for anal penetration. There are magazines in which adult women are presented with their pubic area shaved so that they resemble children. In this country where I live, there is a trafficking in pornography that exploits mentally and physically disabled women, women who are maimed. There is an amputee pornography, a trade in amputee, women who have been maimed in that way as if that is a sexual fetish for men. In this country where I live, there is a trade in racism as a form of sexual pleasure so that the plantation is presented as a form of sexual gratification for the black woman slave who asks, please to be abused, please to be raped, please to be hurt. Um, black skin is presented as if it is a female genital and all the violence and the abuse and the humiliation that is in general directed against female genitals is directed against the black skin of women in pornography. Asian women in this country where I live are tied from trees and hung from ceilings and hung from doorways as a form of public entertainment. Um, there is a concentration camp pornography in this country where I live where the concentration camp and the atrocities that occurred there are presented as existing for the sexual pleasure of the victim, of the woman who orgasms to the real abuses that occurred not very long ago in history. Yeesh. And I, I don't doubt any of that that, that uh, Mr. Organ is, is saying despite anything that you might believe of her, her own personal life, that's, that's your own opinion. But it's, I, I, I believe that there is this, this, this level of terror that goes on. We're, we're very kind of understanding people and how we work it makes us tick and such. And we all have our own little fine nuances. What we do when we start forcing people to commit atrocities against their will, whatever way it is, we, we start destroying what aspects of what we know is to be is the, the real, true notion of human kindness and aspect of what we do in this life. We can go down that way. There's a lot of people who have been down that road and it's worked for them for so far. And there's still this level of them existing. To we we <laughs> we decide on what we think is appropriate, keeping it all nice and order to a certain ex extent. I'm talking about just the notions of society and law and order and government and just all of that that we we got our lives to. What we've opened, you know, going down further and further down the ways of acceptance and life. It's perplexing, but it's not anything too too unfamiliar than what we have dealt with in the past. But there comes a breaking point where you know that people are going to find that this is too much. We need a little bit better order or we need a little bit less of the the drumbeat 
that's telling us to all kind of accept this this notion, and and it's going one way or the way, other one way or the other with the the pendulum swing with uh, the authority figure of you're gonna mind us by our pronouns or you're gonna leave us the hell alone and let us live our lives how we what fit. But unfortunately, there's probably a third pendulum swing where it's just like you gotta allow us not to follow any of that that other bullshit. We want we want only this one single life for this type of people. The whole notion of nationalism and globalism it, it, it's very troubling. And I believe porn is the tool that they are using to divide us. It's not a bad thing and it's not a good thing. It's definitely a thing that can be used for good and it's definitely something that can be used for good. Here's a, another uh, individual that I wanted to transition to here and kind of the modern world of female porn directors that are existing now today. Here is Bella Thorne. What inspired me to do the movie was basically thinking about this um, relationship between um, a male and a female and this fight over dominance and how much that relates to us in our general world besides in a sexual scenario. Well, the vision behind the story was uh, was 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 basically uh, creating these two dynamic characters that could kind of um, switch off from again dominant and and submissive. Oh, okay. And my vision originally actually was to make a Christmas horror movie, and instead I made a very beautiful ethereal um, neon. <laughs> type of vision so to, um, sometimes you go into thinking that you want something specific and then you totally change your mind and you don't go with that idea at all try to call your boyfriend and get away with it well the process of shooting was um quite interesting because we had you know real life fucking on set uh, which i had never shot before um, at all also i this was my first short in general so it was quite um, an interesting experience to have the first thing that i really fully directed have so much sex in it um you know it uh, it is quite a fun environment <laughs> Um, I'm really lucky that Pornhub wanted to come on and um, produce this with me because originally, you know, I was uh, shopping it around a very long time ago and, and things were very different. People are kind of scared to make a movie like this one when it comes to dominance and submissive and between a male and, and a female and, and how this relationship can turn quite sour and I think that um, because of its sexual orientation it's quite a scary project to just jump into because it has some negative physical effects um, so I was just really lucky that Pornhub believed in my vision and was not scared to, to jump in it with me. My advice that I would give to Pornhub visionary directors or directors in general, <laughs> just jump on it. You're never going to get it done until you literally start it. And if you never start it, it'll never happen. And honestly, that is kind of one of the, the wheel stoppers when it comes to creating a project, getting so many people in one room, getting so many people to believe in your same vision. And if you stop for one second, 
the whole world falls down around you and it's it's very important to just literally jump in get it done and and, and have fun we've had some good oh good and now and now i'm gonna review my I was lucky enough to work with um, a great crew and uh, and Abella and Aaron and um, they were so down to to really understand the dialogue, do it, make it come to life, um, really discuss it and and be comfortable in their own skin. And um, I'm just very lucky that I got the crew that I did. You look stuck in your every move. I feel like such a monster. If you think that that porn is is uncomfortable, I, I'm sorry that you are uncomfortable, but but don't make other people feel uncomfortable for being okay with it because at the end of the day, it is sex and it's a, something that the human body wants, it needs, it constantly craves for it, and it's just a very understandable thing. And if you're scared of it, that's fine, to each their own. But but. But don't tear somebody else down because they're confident with their sexuality and, and they're okay to admit that. Modern day porn directors out there. And I, 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 I have nothing against what she has to say. She, she says a lot, of, honestly, like, genuinely good. Despite anybody what you feel and think about how you think about who Bella Thorne she is. Each their own on that. But I want to get into a little bit more. Falling down the... Uh, rabbit hole of where I personally come from with all this level of uh, porn addiction in my own personal life. So hope you're willing to stick around and hear a bit more. Be right back with you folks. And three, two, one. Waste your youth growing up. Welcome back, my friends. Thank you for continuing on this uh, episode here of uh, Psychotropical Thunder Porn Pill. Let's uh, do another shot since we're thinking about it. No, I'm just really thinking about it. That's just something people say when they want to do something to change the topic. Anyway, here we go. Drink them if you got them, folks. Score. 
So I'm kind of done with the clips. Hopefully that wasn't boring enough to have all those clips. Maybe they were fascinating. Probably none of my insight added much. But here's my little kind of add-on to it, my little history of it all. To be genuinely honest, I have dealt with the, the problems of, of pornography throughout my life. It's difficult trying to talk to anybody sensibly about it because it's usually dealt with a, a laugh, a joke. You don't talk about that without being completely humiliated, so it's been always something that you just you avoid talking about, really, and you just kind of keep it to yourself. It's, it's unfortunate, but then you, you realize maybe you have a problem because you didn't talk enough about it, and then it's really difficult when you don't you're not really surrounded with a culture of people that are comfortable talking about it. <laughs> well, my story starts with discovering the, the tool, the topic of the show at a relatively young age, probably six, seven, I would roughly say it around that. And my, my one story I would say where I truly found it was uh, from a friend, a neighborhood friend. Uh, we, you know, youth in those those days would, you know, run around, befriend each other. The biggest thing, little boy crack was was Nintendo in those days, in the 80s. So anybody who had that was quickly befriended by me. It's just how it was in those days. I mean, I was obviously into other things. We, we had our bicycle. I didn't technically have a bicycle, but this is another. I, I was uh, the only one child not on a bicycle. I had a scooter, and they, scooters weren't really that big uh, uh, in those days. In this, But anyway, that's just a side, <laughs> side deal. One of the, the friends that uh, I had at that time came from a bit of a troubled background, family history. Fortunately, that's, I guess, how some of these stories go. Not necessarily all of them, but mine does. He uh, kind of peer pressured a few of us into going in and uh, discovering this, this certain thing. It's a whole elaborate story. It's, it's kind of silly little kids, you know, kind of playing together and how 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 they do their dumb shit when they're that young and stuff. <laughs> but uh, we were always big into going on adventures through vacant lots and stuff. And he had access to someone. His his uh, his mom had uh, I guess a few a boyfriend or something different story something with that who had a collection of stuff that would be around and wasn't really really well guarded I guess to the point where he he had access to it but his little kind of uh, expo that he created for us in this vacant lot and he pressured us into essentially go into this this uh, cave and you will become a man was the kind of pressure that's uh, how it goes with uh, dumb little boys that we kind of get ourselves into these uh stupid stupid uh dares that we uh we try and it was like a collection of like these torn out pages of some 
random Playboy, whatever it could have been. I don't know. I have no idea that far back, but it was just the segments of like naked bodies that were torn out. And it was really very specific to the point of like the actual genitalia, not even like the whole body or just the page itself torn out. It was literally just the genitalia. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's kind of how that story kind of started off where the, that's a difficult tale. I, uh, you know, my, my folks did what they could. They, they made a lot of decent decisions, but there was a few that unfortunately weren't so looked after. I don't know if I could completely blame them, though there is a, a bit of the culture that was surrounding what their decisions and why they justified it. Though most of anything after that event with my my friends and the neighborhood after that anything I found was pretty much by my my own dad in his collection not personally he showed me it was just from stupid little being dumb and little and going venturing on into things that you shouldn't do every child essentially does it, it seems like more 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 parents are a little bit more mindful of those things than others i guess but i don't know if they kind of wanted this to happen it's it's one of those very difficult things to even like talk about probably nowadays they just play dumb and say i don't know what what was going on but uh i mean there was there was certain moments that it definitely became obviously they knew about it like when when they uh would find the 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 magazines I'd borrow from him from in places that my uh, my mom was like, did you put this here to my dad? Of course, no, he didn't. And it was all me. But they didn't like punish me at all for it. And like there was no absolutely no like coming down. Into a certain point, I guess that's that's kind of good because they they were probably worried of a certain type of. This could be bad. This is what makes people go nuts, crazy. But then to a certain point, not doing enough about it kind of makes people go nutty or crazy. That it, it felt like a topic that just wasn't really <laughs> capable to talk about, wasn't openly able. It was just kind of like, you do whatever you want. We'll just not, not acknowledge it. Just, you, you know, don't ask, don't tell pretty much with the whole operation of it all. I think it came to a, some type of a, a blowback when I, I don't know what exactly happened. I was not really, in, 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 I was still pretty young these days, but at some point uh, all of that whole collection that my dad had, he had quite a collection of pretty much all Playboys. And he had, you know, I discovered his, his collection of tapes. And at a certain point in the 90s became the... Uh, move on to uh, the internet and that just kind of transitioned to that I think I first discovered images from that from his collection of that on the computer <laughs> he had I don't know somehow downloaded certain things on there and I, I discovered that from you know fucking around on the computer as a, as a youth and it just it just it just grew more and more out of that and it's not like I was just this like monster that just coveted porn and 
jerked off a lot or anything like that. I had other, you know, hobbies and such. I was into music. Uh, you know, I said that you know, video games were like the 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 thing that a lot of us would all be into. But there still was this this whole notion of what what it meant to to know what uh, pornography was in those days. And I don't know if I really quite understood how maybe possibly damaging it was seeing either it in, 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 in magazines or seeing it on uh, the first life, life, live streaming was or any kind of movement of fucking on, on film was, you know, the video cassettes. And then a little bit somewhere around that same time, it was also my, you know, my folks had access to, to all the uh, main mainstream uh, uh, porn, <laughs> mainstream uh, television access channels, you know, HBO, Showtime, Cinemax, and all these had their own kind of softcore shit at, at night, late at night, and that was like a big thing. Another thing that didn't really go really well regulated with my family, and it just was just a norm where I was just up, all, you know, watching that type of stuff, and it was. I, I don't know why it never got really kind of discussed and there's probably a lot of problems that led to other issues on in my life because a lot of this stuff didn't really get properly handled I can't I can't really blame my folks they did what they did they made their decision and they stuck with it though what what maybe could have been properly better handled maybe it would have avoided a lot of other kind of other issues Who's to know? We're all individuals. This is just one side of one person who later on got really addicted to drugs, fell into a medical incident, had to get a judge approval to get out, and then later on had another incident where I was convicted of a felony charge, which is a whole story in itself of my, my own past with my problems of pornography in itself. Uh, at that time, I was in a relationship with with someone that I essentially eventually became uh, engaged to, <laughs> and sadly, it's a whole it's a really random story in itself. I'll probably get to a better time, but the part that pretty much involves the the event where I get caught and I end up paying the price, it all pretty much was the problem because of the addiction that wasn't dealt with earlier on. And you're thinking, like, if you're with someone that you're watching porn, lots of times you probably shouldn't have been in that relationship, right? True. Hindsight's twenty twenty, folks. Understand that. And there's a lot of a lot of other things that kind of go into that with it. You feel comfortable, and then when you have other issues of abandonment, and you don't know how to handle it. You, you feel comfortable with people that get you on certain levels and you just stay in that comfortable level. Relationships and how relationship abuse happens is a very crazy, crazy thing. And power to anybody who's got out of their situations, moved on, did their whole blow up and made something better of themselves. Power to you, tremendous power to you. There's some people that have to 
go on and do a podcast and talk about their, their stuff because they can't afford the therapy that has been the destruction from that. <laughs> so, yeah. My, uh, my relationship in, that, in those cases got to a point where I was doing it too much and instead of like moving out of the, the relationship and properly handling it, I had a bit of a breakdown when my girlfriend at the time then essentially uh, decided to cuck out on me and pretty much surprised me with her it's a it, and it's a long story and that's all because it wasn't like a, it was a new guy or anything it was a, like a ex-boyfriend of hers in the past and we just had a lot of just blatant dysfunction that got to the point where it led to a felony charge jeez this is really really bad stuff it didn't hurt anybody or anything just did stupid stuff with with my car that and didn't hurt any any individual damaged couple of things essentially property of someone's place and it was just out of just complete just losing myself that I couldn't handle myself and people we 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 either know how to deal with these things better or we don't and some of us never learn how to make better decisions, better choices, and they continue to make more disgusting, monstrous, monstrous decisions. And a lot of it happens just from the bridges that go and be burnt by the time that you make from poor decisions of your own past. A lot of my, my, my life kind of got really fractured when I, I lost a lot of my friends and it was mainly because I had slightly experienced certain things I had at that time this is during my college years that I decided to come out as bi and it was it was a difficult thing to even have to talk about to anybody just because I, I don't think most people really cared at the time and I have a whole other story it goes on to a job that I was at those times. And I don't even, like, identify that anymore, really, these times. It's just something I had decided I wanted to try, and I did. And it really is very, very minimal of, like, what exactly I tried. I, I wasn't really in any kind of major relationships or anything like that. It's, it, it's I again, it's just another one of these things where it's part of my life, it happened, and I don't know if it's uh, a product of one such damage or another and then again is it even part of the damage and maybe it's just my general nature of who i am and that's a whole nother area to kind of get to <laughs> of you know sex and how it's understood in in people and is it is it truly a, a, a genuine like what the what the all uh, the, the dsm books were all made to be First, deciding that it was a a certain kind of uh, label, and then changing that label later on. It's who are these elites? Who are these influencers that kind of get to decide what is what? I want to get to it another time, but I think as uh, the show's gone on quite a bit long, I'll make uh, other episodes on some of these topics for another time, but. There's a, there's a little bit of my background. Don't go too wild with it. Alright, folks. It's been real.
Peace. a trusted influencer here if you'd like to get in contact with me or find my instagram page i have been recently zucked so now you can find me at 33 at influencer with two is the last e just put in a trusted influencer and you should find it also if you care to send me an email located at at influencer at protonmail.com and if you care to share a little value for value, you can reach me, send me something. I'm not big on any kind of gifts or any kind of monetary value at this time, but hey, I'm throwing it out there. Cash at me, 33 influencer. Peace. In Like you wanted me calling me all the time Like Blondie, check out my Chrissy behind It's fine all the time Like sex on the beaches What else is in the teaches of peaches? Huh? What? Sucking on my titties Like you wanted me calling me all the time Like Blondie, check out my Chrissy behind It's fine all the time what else is in the teachers of peaches? Like sex on the peaches, huh? What? Huh? Right. What?